Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, good morning. Great to see everybody. You all made it. Everybody's feeling good? Yes. Hey, great to see everybody. And you picked a really fun week to be here. We are going to start Q&A. And I love these. So here's what you need to do. Get out your phone. There's the number right there, 616-379-9293. And we're going to spend the next few weeks just answering your questions, kind of going through there. And why do we do this? Because the Bible is where we go for answers. And so if you're like, hey, I've got some, that's, that's where we want to go. So if we get a bunch of questions about the same thing, we'll kind of group them together and try to answer it that way. But go ahead and send those in, and then we'll be getting through those. Because God's Word is there to guide us. It's there to guide us. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, the way it says in Psalms. 2 Timothy 3 says this, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful in teaching, rebuking, and correcting. And sometimes we need to rebuke, sometimes we just need to be taught, we don't know what we don't know, sometimes we just need to be corrected, and sometimes, let me just say, when we don't know things, that that can just be so dangerous. It can be so dangerous. Years ago, we were at a friend's house, and I remember just a little kid, and I went up, I was really thirsty, and I went over to their sink, and I looked, and I was like, they had this, this, the regular faucet at this kitchen sink, and then they had this other one, and I was like, oh, a little, little like, tap water thing, and I was like, oh, well, I need a drink, but I was too little to, and I'm like, I don't know where cups are, and the, and the parents were all talking, and I was like, well, I'll just get a drink, so I, I jumped up, and I got my little belly over the top of the counter, and I was like, how do you turn this little tap water thing on? And it was really weird the way you had to turn it on. You had to turn the top of it. So I put my mouth underneath the tap water and turned it on. And how many of you already know what that was? It was instant boiling water. And I filled my I was like, ah! So my plan to not interrupt the adults did not work. Okay, I screamed. Because sometimes what we do not know can hurt us. What we do not know leaves us in a bad place. So it's okay to have questions. It's okay to ask questions. But we just need to know where to get them and how to find those answers, and that's in God's Word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the first question, and the first one was this. Is breaking a law a sin? For example, I speed pretty often. Is that sinning? I love that question. Oh, that could have been bad. I like that question. I like how they were just like, yeah, it's me. I speed. I speed a lot. So like, what, what, do, what do we do about this one? What about it? All right. Well, first, here's how we do this when it comes to Q&A. Here's what we're looking for. The first thing that we're looking for is we're always looking for a verse that covers that. It's like a verse that just, just plain and simple says it. It's like if the Bible says, do not steal, I know I don't need to steal. Don't, you don't need to pray about like, are you sure I can't steal this? Like, I mean, God, like, Really? I mean, don't be standing there, and then if the power goes out and you're standing by the door, you're like, I think this was God making a way for me to steal it and deactivate security. No, the Bible says don't steal. You don't need to pray about it. Don't do it. So the first thing that we want to do is we want to find a verse that covers that. And then if we can't find a specific verse, then we're going to look for a biblical principle that applies to what we're looking for. And after that, I mean, I can give you my opinion, and opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. They're all just a little bit different. Okay, so... Is breaking the law a sin? 
my speeding friend. Here we go, Acts 5, 28. We gave you strict orders. So here we find Peter, and he's in trouble. He says, we gave you strict orders never to teach in this man's name again, because he's teaching in the name of Jesus. And they said, instead of listening to us, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. Well, duh, you killed him. But anyways, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So one thing that we see very, very clearly in Scripture is that if human authority contradicts what God tells us to do, we honor God. So if it was to become illegal to preach certain things, and they said, well, you have to stop doing this, I'm not stopping. Come visit me in prison. Like, this is what we're going to do. Like, we're, we're going to preach the word. That's what we're going to do. But there's more to it than just that. Romans 3 verse 1 says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So is it, am, am, am I sinning when I speed? Well, years ago, um, weather kind of like this, my, my dad and I were headed up north. He's driving and we're just kind of cruising along and, and the roads got kind of bad. Um, bad enough that he wasn't even going the speed limit. We're still passing lots of cars, but you know, they were going slower, but we, we were cruising on, on the road. And I remember we're cruising along and I look over and I see a, a cop in one of the, I, I call them cop stops. I don't know what those little turnarounds are called, but anyways, we're on 131, we're headed north, there's a cop and a cop stop, and, and we go past, and as we go past, this cop pulls out. And I'm like, Dad, I think he's going to get you. And my dad's like, I'm not even, he's like, I'm going under the speed limit. He's like, I'm not even, I'm not even he's, he's not after us. And uh, so sure enough, you know, it's like five minutes and he's still just kind of beat back there, right? So it takes the guy about 15 minutes, but sure enough, this cop comes up, turns on his lights, and my dad is just like, what in the world? So we pull over. Now we pull over and this cop comes up to the windshield and just yells, at my dad's, what in the world are you doing? It took me a half an hour just to chase you down. You know how fast you're going? You know? And he looks and he sees me in the car. And I can't believe you'd be driving that fast. You've got a kid in the car. And just, it's, and my dad is like, yes, sir. No, sir. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. And he gives my dad a ticket. So was my dad breaking the law? He got a ticket for it. He wasn't speeding. And is it against the law? If it's against the law, does that, does that mean that we're sinning? It's a really good question. I love it. And the answer is not quite just a, a yes, no. I will tell you what ended up happening is, is he did, dad did take that to court and the cop, or the, the cop ended up apologizing and the judge was like, no, he wasn't speeding. You can't give tickets when people aren't speeding. And he did get that one thrown out. But how does this work? How does this work? There are quite a few laws. Yes? How many of you try to obey the law? Raise your hand. How many of you are like, I just don't care. I do whatever I want all the time. Just like, like you just raise your hand. One of you, my speeding friend, I don't know where you are. But anyway, <laughs> here's the deal. The, in, in 1982, the Justice Department decided to find out how many criminal laws there were. So they went out 
And it took them two years to find out that they didn't know how many there were, and it took them two years to find 3,000. And this is in 1982. These are criminal laws. These are only criminal laws. And this is just the Justice Department. And then each of those can be, you, you can be prosecuted different ways for each one of those laws. They don't know how many laws we have here in America. You, you, you can look and they're like, you know, there's, we've, we've got an idea, you know, maybe five, 10,000 criminal laws this way and you can be prosecuted somewhere between 10,000 and 300,000 ways for those. They don't even know. They have no idea. So here's why I'm, I, I absolutely love God, is we do not, we're not made right with God by getting everything right. It's because of Je what Jesus did. It's because of what Jesus did. And here's what it says in Romans. Romans 14, 23. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, so here's what he's talking about. Believers at the time, they come to Christ and they've been so used to following the Torah and the law and I have to do everything just right and if I don't, then this is the sacrifice I need to cover that sin and this is what this dove for this and, and then this is what I need for that. And now all of a sudden they're like, no, it's by grace that you are saved what Jesus did, accept what he did. And they're like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do with all these laws that we've been following and, and, and some of them, and one particular was do not eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And there's this big thing in the church of, well, is it okay? And some are like, well, it's all good. Jesus paid for it all, and so I, uh, we're under grace, and they're over there eating it. And others are like, you can't do that. That's just not right. And so he says, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, then you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. He's like, if you're like, I don't think I should do this, but, I, but you do it anyways, you're sinning. For if you're not, not following your convictions, and if you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. It doesn't matter. So here's, here's what it comes down to. God sees my heart. And God sees your heart. And our Justice Department might not know what intent is or have left it long ago, but God looks at our heart and is like, is this person trying to sin? Because if so, it doesn't matter. If they think that kissing on a Tuesday is a sin, and so they choose to do it, in their heart they're turning against me because they're kissing on Tuesday, then that's sin. It's our heart. It's God, I want to please you. So if you're driving down the road and you're like, you know what, I just, I, I feel like it's God telling me that I need to stop speeding and not your husband. And you're like, yo, this is, this, is, this is a God thing. And so you're like, okay. Then yeah, then you need to slow down. Absolutely. But I thank God that not every single law I break is a sin that I have to go try to figure out how many laws there are. The guy that was in charge of this 1982 attempt where they spent two years trying to figure out how many laws we have finally gave up and the gist of what he said was, it'd take three lifetimes to try to find out how many there are. It said that the average working American commits three felonies every day. I'm glad I don't have to try to figure out what they all are to repent and make sure I'm not doing them. 
But what I can say is, God, I want to live for you and, and forgive me where I make mistakes. And we seek after him. But if you're like, you know, I feel like God's convicting me about my driving, then do something about it. Do something about it. Absolutely. All right, that was a little bit interesting one, but I hope that that, I hope that helps you out, my speeding friend. All right. <laughs> Next one. What is the best way to get over your past and continue with the Lord from that spot? Um, I hate that you said best way, honestly, because that's really arbitrary. Honestly, I don't, I, I don't know for you. Um, some of our past, it hits us different because we have different pasts. And some of our past hits us different because we carry it different. We, we, we just carry the things that happened to us or that we did. We, we carry it different. But here's some things that I want to tell you. Number one is this. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. And this is Paul who writes this. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Paul writes this. And Paul, we know who he was. He was the one who went around gathering up Christians so that they could be imprisoned, fed to wild animals, tortured, and killed. Some of them were lit on fire like human candles. It was nasty what they did. It was just wrong what they did. But this is what he says. He says, forgetting the past. It's letting go of it. It's letting go of that past. Now the Bible says in John 8, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I believe the, the two things and the how you're going to do this is going to be a little different for you, but number one thing is you've got to let it go. You've got to realize that you are a new creature. A new creature. Hmm. <laughs> you're a new creature in Christ. When you, when you get saved, you're new. The spirit on the inside of you is new. Your body's the same. If you were overweight before, you're still overweight now. That lack of hair you had then, it didn't just grow. That part isn't new. But what is, is the spirit on the inside of you is new. It's new. You're, the real you on the inside is, and your body's just got to catch up with it. And you need to let go of the past, but then you need to know who God made you to be. And this is a very common thing, and this is something that so many of us need help with. So here's what we have. We have these books that we keep on hand always, and if you didn't know this, the books that we have around here are free. So if you see something you like, always just grab them. You already paid for them. But here's what it is. It says, Who I Am in Christ. And this is a book that just has scriptures. But each of these scriptures have to do with who you are in Christ. So I just randomly turned to this one, and it says, I have redemption and forgiveness. And this, then it tells you where it's found, Ephesians 1.7. Turn another page, and it's just page after page of them. I have been given grace, Ephesians 4.7. Christ is my peace, Ephesians 2.14. I have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2.13. It's a book that just tells you over and over full of scripture that just says, this is who you are in Christ. And you need to feed on this. This is what you need to feed on. Not everything else, not anything else. This is what you feed on. You are complete through your union with Christ, not with anybody else, not Christ plus or minus anything. 
And so you need to feed on this to know who you are in Christ. So when those thoughts and doubts come in and, well, remember what you were and what you came out of or what this and, 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 oh, you think that's what you were, but that was yesterday and what about today? That you're like, no, I know what God's word has to say about it. And that you actively resist the devil because if you don't resist him, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. My seven-year-old, six. He's six, right? He's six. He was hanging out with a seven-year-old. Anyways, long story. I'll just leave that one out of it. My six-year-old. He's fun, and we wrestle. But let me just say, if I let him, he would kill me. He would kill me. His favorite thing to do is to jump, and he likes to jump knee first. So we'll be wrestling, and I'm, I've got like five of these kids, right? So there's two over here I'm wrestling, and then all of a sudden, little Bo I look over, and he's climbed up on the top of the vertical piano, and he's getting ready to jump at me. And I know what's going to happen. He's going to jump me. i got to stop him. Okay, we have to resist the devil. If you do not resist the devil, he will destroy you. That's what he wants to do. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. If you just sit there and like, woe is me, the devil's like, yeah, woe is you. You're horrible. You're like, I know. I'm so bad. And I was like, yes, you're the worst. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do today. And I was like, you don't know what you're going to do any day. And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> He's going to do it. You get on that train track, he'll just get behind and push you, push you, push you. You have to know how to resist. And we resist the devil with the word of God. So you need to know this. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to know. Bank tellers, when they are taught how to catch a counterfeit, do you want to know what they do? They say, here's a stack of the real thing. Count this. What they found was they didn't need to go and show them the counterfeit and be like, look, see, see, see it? Study it. They said, really what we needed to do is give you so much of the real thing that when a counterfeit comes in, you'll just naturally be like, something isn't right with this. Something isn't right. That's what they found works the absolute best, is to give them so much of the real thing that when something counterfeit comes in, it, it just seems off. It doesn't smell right. It looks a little funny. The edge, I, I don't know what it is. They found that was the best way to train them to catch counterfeits. You need to be so full of God's word and know what his word says about you that when a counterfeit thought comes in, you're like, this isn't right. No, that's not what God's word says. I don't want that in my life. I'm not going to allow it. I know that's not true no matter who it comes from. Because the devil uses people, no matter who it comes from. Peter, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he asks him, he says, who do people say that I am? And Jesus gets this response from Peter. Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And Jesus praises Peter. He's like, Peter, Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven did. And then Jesus tells his disciples, he says, hey, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And the disciples are like, no. Peter says, no, don't do it. This isn't right. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. It's five verses away. Five verses away from Man did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. You got this absolutely right. And then five verses later, get behind me, Satan. He was wrong. He goes from, oh, 
glory, glory, you got this absolutely right to get behind me, Satan. Like, what in the world? Five verses. People miss it. And there might be people in your life that they've said things that are true, and you're like, well, they're, they're right, and they hear from God, but the thing that they're saying now isn't lining up with God's word. Then you need to know how to say, get behind me, Satan, and throw it out. Nobody's perfect. There was one. His name was Jesus, and he's gone. He's gone to heaven. All of us, we're not going to get it right all the time. So how do we get over it? The best way to get over something, number one, is you've got to learn to let it go. Because let me just tell you, Jesus already did. The Bible says he forgives us as far as, he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. And how far is that? That's forever. North and south, you get there. You get all the way up to the North Pole, and then you go a little bit too far, and you got to turn around. You get up to the top, and that little needle starts dancing. It doesn't work, and you're like, I want to see that. I really would love to do that someday. But anyway, as you get all the way up there, that little needle starts going nuts, not because you put a magnet underneath it, because you're up there. But east and west, you just keep going and going and going. It doesn't stop. You can go east today and never stop going east. It just keeps going. That's how far the Bible says he removes our iniquity, our sin from us. He throws it into another place. He says he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. It's gone. It's kind of like you take a cup of water and throw it into the sea and then go try to find that cup of water. You can't find it. It's gone. It's gone. But the best way to do it is you let go. And again, you're going to have to work this out. You need to know what God's word has to say. And you resist the devil, whatever form he comes in, when he's telling you things that are contrary to what this has to say. All right. Next question. What is the best way to go for your pet? Yep, we did that one. All right. Next one is this. Ah, and this one comes up. uh, This is a popular one. Is tithe Old Testament? And there was a a couple couple questions around this. And can I tithe somewhere besides church? Is tithe Old Testament? Yes, it most definitely is. Is it found in the New Testament? Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is talking and he says this. He says, Woe to you Pharisees and you other religious hypocrites. For you tithe down to the last meat leaf in your gardens, but you ignore the more important things, justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, you should tithe, but you, should leave, you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. Tithing is really just, for some reason, it falls into a category of like, oh wow, they actually do that. That's great. Wow, good for those super human Christians. That's amazing. But really, what Jesus is saying here is like, no, this is just the beginning. But don't neglect the more important things. So yes, tithing is in the New Testament as well. It's also in the Old Testament. It's Old Covenant. It's also before that as well. And where does tithing go? What we see in the Bible is bring all the tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Try me in this, says the Lord Almighty. That's Malachi 3.10. That it does. It goes to the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I tell people all the time, you want to be at the forefront of what God is doing? Be a part of building the church. Be a part of building the church. So if you're here and you're like, hey, I've made Life West home, but you have not yet joined the dream team, we need you. We need you to help us build the church. Make it great for other people that are coming in. We we need you. We're never going to reach everybody that God wants us to reach, 
We're not going to be able to love the way to have the hands and feet that we need to be the church that God wants us to be without you. And I, I, I ask that, and I'll ask that every week, and I don't mind at all. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I'm like, yes, get involved in building the church. You want to be a part of what God is doing in the world today? Then build the church. Build the church. Absolutely love it. Okay, um, tithing, dun, dun, dun. And then the next one. Oh, yeah, we got plenty of time for this one. Okay, question. Do you believe that God is in control? Okay, simple answer, but let me build the foundation for this one. Let me build the foundation for this one. All right. Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Some of you know this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to pray, God, your will be done. If what God wants to happen on the earth is automatic, then why does he tell us to pray that? If it just happens, then why am I praying for something? Why, why, why is that there? 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm going to read that again. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, what is a desire? Is it something that you want? All men to be saved. God wants all men to be saved. How many of you have some people that you're praying for? Some loved ones that you're like, they need Jesus. People that you know, you're like, they need Jesus. I hope you have never lost somebody. I, I hate those funerals where they're like, no, they, weren't, they, they didn't know Jesus. Those funerals, we were talking, Beck and I were talking about this the other day, but the funerals where people know Jesus, man, you walk around, it's sad because we don't get to see them, but everybody's like, oh, but they knew Jesus. We're going to get to see him. We'll see him soon. But he says, God's desire is for all men to be saved, but yet we know that they won't all be saved. So does what God want to have happen just happen? No. It doesn't. It doesn't just happen. We already talked about resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So what happens if you don't resist? He doesn't flee. Is God all-powerful? Yes. Did he create everything? Yes. Does he trust me more than I think he should? Yes. Does he trust you more than I think he should? Yes. But what we see over and over in Scripture is that, no, God is not micromanaging and forcing everything that happens. James 4, 7 is where it says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Proverbs 19, verse 3 says this, people ruin their own lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. It's not God up there controlling and be like, well, this is what you get. This is just your lot in life. If I believed that God was controlling it all, I would not be here. There'd be no reason. God's controlling it. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go mountain biking. I'm going to go fat bike. Here we go. But it's man's own folly that ruins his life. 
It's his own folly. But what about those places where it says that those that they, they were destined and, then, and those that were, 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 were predestined, and what about that? Well, here's what we have. That answer to that is found in Romans 8.29. And if this verse was not in the Bible, I would not be here. Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. So we have predestined, and predestined is in the Bible. So is, it just, is that just what's the, what it is? Verse 29, what does it say? For those or for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So when we see predestined in the Bible, here's what it is. It is based on foreknowledge, not control. It doesn't say, for those that he chose to love, he loved. Well, yes, but for those he foreknew, he also predestined. Some of you are not quite sure, so you need to make sure you look this up. Romans 8.29. Read this. It's in your Bible. Romans 8.29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Predestination, God is, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times and in all time. He exists outside of it. So he looks, and he's able to see exactly what's going to happen cause and effect of everything that's ever happened, will happen, won't happen, might have happened, and could happen. He sees it all, knows it all. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Predestination is based on foreknowledge, his knowledge of what you will choose. Not his controlling who will choose what. Not his controlling of who will choose what. Well, what about, what about in the Bible where it says, and this is the one that this, this always comes up, very often with this one, is, well, didn't God harden Pharaoh's heart? And did, did Pharaoh have the option? Because it says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Let me just say this. The Bible says that it's based on foreknowledge, that God's ability, that predestination is based on God's ability to know the outcome. If I had a time machine and I was able to jump in that time machine one, we'd be in a building because we'd be rich. But anyways, but if, if, I, if, if we had that time machine and I could shoot up exactly seven and a half minutes until I dismiss and watch all of you get up and watch those that get down and some of you that reach down and pick things up and see who leaves and who stays and who's cleaning up and who's not and come back to right now, I would have foreknowledge. I would have the ability to say, I know where who's going to go what. If I want to talk to, well, I'm going to go over here because I know that they're going to be there. And I'm going to, I would have foreknowledge of what you're going to do. I wouldn't be controlling you, but you'd be destined to do what you did because I knew that you'd already done it. So when God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, let me ask you a question. What happens to clay when the sun comes out? That soft, pliable clay, what happens to it when the sun hits that clay? It hardens. But yet right next to that clay, I can have a ball of wax. And that very same sun, what happens to the wax? It softens. God knew exactly what was going to happen, but let me just tell you, Pharaoh chose what to make his heart out of. Whether it was clay that would harden 
we choose what our hearts are going to be made out of. When we hear God's love and the story of his love for us, whether we choose to soften our hearts and receive it, or we're like, no, I don't believe it, I don't want any of this junk. We choose what it's going to be. We choose what it's going to be. God is not forcing you to. Is God all-powerful? Yes, absolutely. But, his, but predestination is based on foreknowledge. I like what it says about Jesus, about Jesus going to the cross. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And now I'm going to tell you what I believe that joy was. Because what's joyful about going to the cross? It wasn't fun. We know that. The Bible says in anticipation, Jesus was sweating blood. He was, he was not excited about doing it. That what he went through, he was barely recognizable as a man after they tortured him and whipped him. And he hung on the cross and brutally died. That wasn't fun. But the joy set before him was you and me. He knew what he was doing and he knew what it would purchase on the other side. And he was able to, because he was all God, to know every single person through all of time that would accept him, that would be forgiven, set free, set free from all of their past, and begin to live a new life and spend eternity with him in heaven. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. God is not in control. He's not making you do anything. You can choose to get up right now and run out. You can choose to harden your heart. You can choose to soften it. The same sun has a different effect on each of it. You decide what it's made out of. Maybe that's kind of new news to you. Maybe you've kind of just been in the, but no, God is controlling. No, he's all powerful. But he gave us something called choice. I agree with those who have all said, without choice, there is no love. But that we could choose him in love, but it's your choice. Because here's the deal, he's already chosen you. He chose you, he chose me, he knows everything I've ever done wrong, he knows every misstep that I've ever made, and he loves me. He knows every misstep I'm ever gonna make. And yet he still loves me, and he still loves you. So send your questions in, please. We need a bunch more. 616-379-9... Read it off the screen. 379-9293. But with that, I want to make sure. I don't want to just assume that you're here and your being here means that you already know where you stand with God because none of us are promised tomorrow. So let's take a minute. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you say, I don't know where I stand with God, let me just say... Today is your day. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to accept what he did for you? Then today is your day and this is your time. And here's what I want you to do in just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and we're going to pray together right in your seat. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk in the forgiveness, the fullness of life and experience that peace that only comes through relationship with him. So if you're in this room, if you're online, if you're listening to this wherever you are, if this is you, then I want you to be bold. 
and I want you to lift up your hand. And by doing that, you're saying, God, I want what you have for me. I'm yours. Forgive me and make me new. Get ready. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot it up high and say, that's me. And today is my day. I'm coming back. I'm coming to you. Thank you. All right. Here's what I want. Hands are down. Let's just pray. Let's all pray out loud with those that lifted their hands and those that lifted your hands as you say this prayer. Make this your own. Make these words your own. And let's pray together. All together say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood, for hanging on that cross for me. Forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Devil, you lost me. And God, I'm yours forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.